With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey guys, this is the champion Sean Shirk, and you're listening to Fear Evil. What's going on guys? Welcome back to Pure Evil MMA. I'm your host as always, Evil Eddie. And today we got a really special guest for everybody. I know I say that a lot, but we've had four UFC champions that we've interviewed over time. But this one, this one goes back to the roots of where I started. Uh, before I had pay-per-view parties, I used to hang out with my dad and we used to watch pay-per-views uh, with the high school friends. We got the muscle shark. We got the champ. Sean Shirt joining us along with his son, Tegan, who is following in his father's footsteps. What's going on, fellas? Or I should say, we got two champs on the line. I think that's uh, a little bit better here. What's going on, guys? Good. It's going good. How you doing? It's going well. So uh, first, let me let me start with Tegan. Uh, Tegan, your father, obviously a legend. Uh, what was it like growing up with your father? traveling a lot i know that he was over in japan for a little while maybe you're too young to even remember that but he he, he made a lot of sacrifice for you he even tried to uh make a lot of uh local shows instead of traveling do you remember that like uh what was your childhood like with a father uh, that's always jumping around i remember a little bit he, I, I feel like every weekend he was gone but and he would always come back with like um, stitches on his head. Um, no, like I don't know. He would always come back hurt. And I'd always think about like, what is he doing? That's what. Wait, hold on. Is that your line or my line doing that over there? Oh, that's not. That's not mine. Sounds like a Disney signal of some sort. <laughs> So that's had to be that had to be weird, Sean. How how did you address that to your children? Because I do a podcast with uh, James McSweeney from Ultimate Fighter season ten, and he's kind of brought that up, like having to address to a child what it's like to have a parent that's you know in the fighting business and how to not look up to that in the way of violence. Like how was that for you as a father, you know, coming home with those stitches on your head? How did you explain that to Tegan? Well, the kids were real young when I was competing. My last fight was 2010, so Tika would have been four and my other son would have been five. So I think they knew something was going on, but they didn't really know what. Um, and it's not something you can really explain to them. They don't, they don't understand um, the magnitude of, of what was taking place. You know, they just, they just knew dad had a, had a job where I traveled and and uh you know come home with some bruises and stuff like that but you know that was their version of normal that's, until that's just what 
that's what they knew was normal. So it's not like I went to school with a, or it's not like I got up in the morning and left the house with a suit and tie and a briefcase. You know, I, I left the house with gym clothes and I came home with black eyes. You know, I just, that was, that's what they're used to. And then they're uh, getting to the age where they start watching the transport. I'm like, wait, is, is dad part of the CIA or something? Like, why is he traveling? Right. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I, I, I read that you made uh, the decision to stop traveling a lot because you wanted to be more of a, a family man. Was that something that was affecting you and your wife and uh, the children? Did you see that? And was that affecting you as, as a fighter, kind of a distraction? Because a lot of fighters will say they feel better when, you know, even their, their wife and children are ringside. You know, even Frank Mir has his daughter uh, in, in, in the corner now. So what was that like for you? Uh, yeah. Well, my kids were too young to be traveling with me, and, and yeah. uh, so that was never really an option. And towards the end of my career, I, I stopped traveling long distances. You know, I wouldn't I wouldn't be out of town for two, three, four days a week. I'd, I'd leave on the weekends, and I did a lot of seminars, and I did a lot of meet and greets and things of that nature because, you know, my phone was ringing all the time, and, and, you know, I knew there was a light at the end of the tunnel, the career was coming to an end, so I couldn't turn down opportunities that were coming my way, because I knew it was all going to stop relatively soon, so I took advantage of all the opportunities, but I just spent less time away from home, like if an event was on a, a Saturday, I'd leave Friday night or Saturday morning, and then come home, you know, Sunday morning, so I was only gone for a day and a half, rather than two or three days, like, like you know, earlier in the career. So, you know, I just kind of made the adjustments, but I didn't turn down any of the opportunities still. Now, what was Tegan doing when he would get home? Because, you know, obviously he's following your footsteps. He's got a lot of things going on right now, going 5-0, and 0, uh, you know, be, winning the tournament. Uh, I, I know that uh, you got to be one, one proud father. So what was Tegan yeah. doing? Did you know that he was interested in that? Or do you feel Look like out, he you know, has when, pressure? When he, born, when he was born, I knew what he was born to do. I mean, he was born to compete. He was born to wrestle. He, he was born to box. I mean, he's been boxing with me since he was probably three or four oh, years wow. old. He was throwing a punch almost as soon as he could walk. Wow. Um, so that's just kind of what he was born to do. Um, fortunately, he was he was born with, with uh, some good physical attributes. Oh, yeah. And uh, Both your sons. Well, definitely, yeah. So, you know, I mean, it, it's something I love to do. And therefore, you know, as a parent, you want your children to love what you love. So um, I, I never really pushed it on them, but it was always there for them. And... Well, so it was, it was always there for him, and I just kind of just kind of build on it from there. Well, Tegan, let me let me ask you this: Do you feel like pressure, or was this an actual interest of yours at, at a young age? Because I can only imagine what it must be like having a father that is literally a legend. So, do you, do you feel pressure? Do you feel like, wow, like I, I have these genes? It's in my DNA, like the song goes uh, by Kendrick, but. Uh, what is it like for you right now? And uh, to see what you've been accomplishing, is it becoming more of a reality? Like, I can, I can really do this? Yeah, yeah. Um, as soon as I started winning big stuff, I realized I, could put, I can do anything I put my mind to. Now, what, what do you and your father practice together? Because that's got to be an advantage. Uh, like, when, when you guys spend the most time together, I'm sure that's a, a huge connection. A lot of you musicians... With their children, they'll sit down, they'll write music together. You guys must have an amazing connection inside the gym. What, what is that like for you two? Do you play more of the, the son model or do you play more of the uh, just listening to your father? Like, how is that dynamic there between you two? 
Both. Definitely both. Like, do you feel like he's a little bit more easier on you, or do you feel like he's as strict as he would be with anyone else? No, no. He, he, what would you say, Dad? I think, you know, I think I, I try, I want to have fun with him. That's, that's the goal. Yeah. You know, I think, I think when you're, if somebody's pushing you hard to do something and you don't really love what you're doing or you don't believe in it, it's going to be forced. Therefore, you're not going to, you're not going to go as far because the, the love and the passion's not there. So what I've always tried to do is grow on the love and grow on the passion and, and uh, just kind of let things take their place. So I, I always preach that I want to have fun first. And if you're having fun and if you're enjoying yourself, the winning will come naturally. So like I said before, I mean, he just always kind of had a natural ability for, for wrestling and, and anything athletic in general, not just wrestling. So he, he played soccer at a high level, won a state title. Oh, wow. Uh, he, he's been boxing with me since he was four. He does jujitsu. We do little pretend mixed martial arts fights at home. I've got a wrestling room. <laughs> I've got a wrestling room, a boxing room, a weight room, hyperbaric chambers. You know, my whole basement is set up towards uh, training and, and competing. So you don't really got to go that far around here to get a good workout in. And anytime the kid walks up to me and he's got gloves on and he says, "Dad, let's go downstairs and train," I, I jump off the couch and, and, and go immediately. So I love what you're saying here because it, it amounts to anybody with anything that they're doing. You have to love what you're doing. So, so Tegan, when, when did this interest really start with you? Uh, did, did you like see your father? Well, let me ask you this. When was the first time you watched one of your father's fights? And what was that um, like? Um, when did it start? Yeah, like, w w let me ask you, when was the first time you actually saw one of your father's fights, whether it was on DVD or on online, when was the first time you actually saw that, and uh, what uh, was that like? That was, I thought it was interesting. Um, I saw it on tape. It was recorded. He's facing a um Asian guy. You you double legged him. What was this over in Pride or? Pride, yeah. It, it was the coolest thing ever. I, <laughs> I saw it and I was like, dude, I want to do this. I and I say, I said to my dad. How do I do this? And he goes, wrestling comes first. And I said, okay. Then ever since I've liked wrestling. So now, champ, let me ask you this. Your son brought up something really interesting. Back in, in your era, wrestling was the number one thing to have under your belt. It's still that way today. Can you explain to our listeners why that's the most important thing to uh, practice at a young age and then expand your uh, Muay Thai, your boxing? Why, why is that so important to have? Well, wrestlers are so successful in mixed martial arts because they learn how to compete as an individual at a very early age. You know, we go to wrestling tournaments every weekend, and, and he's been wrestling since he was four. So every weekend we go to these wrestling tournaments, and we have all these kids out there battling and competing, and they're out there crying, and, you know, they want, they want their mom, and, you know, they sometimes they want to quit, and they're bleeding, but they have to continue, and they have to dig deep and, and learn how to persevere through fear and, and through uh, pain. So, um, you know, wrestlers just have a, a knack for being able to, to grind through hard moments with uh, through, through the training and through the comp competition level. So that's part one, what I'd say the mental aspect. Part two would be the physical aspect. You know, wrestlers, uh, there's a lot of speed, a lot, lot of balance. You have the ability to keep the fight on the feet if you want to. You have the ability to put the fight on the ground if you want to. So, therefore, you can dictate where the fight takes place. And uh, that, that's a big advantage to have 
if you're in a if you're in a fight with somebody and you're in a trouble situation, you get hit hard and you're looking like you might get knocked out. You know, you could always shoot a double and put the fight on the ground. So, um, you know, a lot of guys don't have the ability to do that. Or if you want to keep the fight on the feet, you know, we'll take come take me down. And if you can't take me down, you have no choice but to keep the fight on the feet. So that's why wrestlers are so successful is just with the, the physical attributes and with the mental toughness. And, uh, you know, there, there's been more UFC world champions with wrestling backgrounds than every other fighting art combined. So if you look at those statistics, I think the, the numbers pretty much say it all. And you know what? You've, you, you've got the experience to, to, to say that. I mean, look at your, look at your career. I mean, I've watched every single one of your fights, uh, you know, inside and outside the UFC between Frankie, GSP, uh, BJ, Diaz, Griffin. I mean, the list goes on and on, even up to your last fight, Kenny. Um, but you've been doing this since you were seven years old. Where did that start with you? Was your father a part of uh, your journey as well? And I mean, what what got you interested? There, there was no such thing as mixed martial arts when I was growing up. So for me, it was basically wrestle. What was that early eighties? Well, well, I mean, my version of mixed martial arts as as a kid growing up was uh, get into fights with kid and kids in the neighborhood. So <laughs> yeah, you know. That that happened a lot. You know, this was back in the 80s. We weren't held by the same standards. In Minnesota, same... correct? Or, I love Minnesota, Midwest, yeah. Okay. So, you know, that was my version of mixed martial arts growing up. And, and I became a, uh, a UFC fan after watching UFC 2 that was on pay-per-view. And I saw Ken Shamrock, and he was a, a true mixed martial artist, you know, uh, at that time where he could box, he could kickbox, he, could, he had a huge wrestling background, he had a submission background, and... And, uh, you know, that, that was my defining moment where I decided that, that that's what I wanted to do. And I found a gym within six months and started training mixed martial arts Greg, within, six, within six months after watching UFC number two. Uh, you found the gym with, oh, what was his name? Greg, uh, Greg Nelson at the, at the Academy right in Brooklyn center here. That's it. Now, uh, you have your own place right now, right? Is that where you guys are training? At uh, Minnesota Martial Arts Academy, right? Well, I don't own that. That was the name of the academy where I trained at with Greg Nelson. So I have a gym at home that I train at with my boys. So we've we've got our own wrestling room, we've got our own boxing room, our own weight room, and I'm I'm uh, going to be building them a, a boxing ring here soon, probably sometime this summer, so they can go downstairs and box whenever they want to as well. Now I'm sure you having you know the history that you have. It could be an advantage for helping your son. Have you sent your son to uh, any other gyms? I mean, uh, you have a lot of connections. Do you uh, do that with him, or is that going to be later on? Well, probably later on. You know, right now we really focus a lot on wrestling. As wrestling takes up probably nine months out of the year, so uh, he just he just won the the folk style state title here in Minnesota last weekend. But he had wow. won four state titles before that, so it wasn't his first state title. So he, he's been doing this stuff for a long time. He's won multiple national titles. We travel and uh, we train uh, at a school called Pinnacle, which is a wrestling school, specifically wrestling school. And, uh, you know, we travel and, and do uh, tournaments all over the country. So, um, you know, the goal is just to keep moving forward with that. And then uh, we do we do box. Uh, we, we kickbox. We do jujitsu and things of that nature. So I think 
you know, I don't really see the point in, in paying somebody a hundred bucks a month to train my kid when I'm perfectly capable of doing it right here at my house, you know? Well, yeah. I, I was just saying like, you know, do, do people come over and, you know, have dinner and just show your son a couple of things just, but, uh, I, I'm sure the future has all that in store for you. So, so Tegan, let, let me ask you this. Um, what is it like being the son of a champion on the wrestling team? Do you, you feel that pressure or, you know, what is that like? That That's uh, really interesting to think about. No, not, not really. Um, like, do the kids know your father? Not, not, I mean, yeah, well, some of them do, but most of them, mm, but as soon as I tell them who my father is, they're like, oh my God. That's your father? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I don't even know what I would do. Like, do, do, you, do you see your father on the on the side? Does he scream? Does he get crazy? Does he get into it? Or does he just uh, sit back like Mr. Miyagi and just trust in you? Like, what, what is that like? Do you look oh, at your no. father for advice during those uh, moments? or? Yeah, yeah, what? I look at my father. Whenever I'm losing a match, I just look right at, my, right at my dad, and he knows what to do. It's like the baseball coach on third baseline giving you all the uh, little signs like, all right, do this. We practiced that. But <laughs> He gets into it a lot. So let's talk about what happened this past weekend. I, I know that you're building it up. I mean, 97 pounds, man, and you're number one in the state. You're the champ of the state. Uh, what, what are you doing to uh, keep that mindset and stay healthy? Are you on a diet? Like, what's your what's your day like? Can you kind of paint that picture for our listeners like, uh, what what a week to week, day to day, uh, life is for you. Um, happy. I'm very, very, very happy. Do you, like, would you meditate? Like, what what do you do to keep that positive mindset? I'm sure it could get frustrating at times. It could get stressful at times. But like your father said, you got to stay positive. You got to love what you do. How do you keep that kind of a mindset to uh, just um, keep enjoying it and uh... keep thinking about it. Always keep thinking about wrestling. That's all I do is ever. I've, I never, ever stop thinking about wrestling. Like, whenever I see my dad, I just want to hit him, wrestle, <laughs> kick him. Let's be real. In 10 years, who do you think wins? You or your father? <laughs> me. Me. Yeah. You know, I, I, I train with him a lot, but I'm keeping some stuff just for myself because... I don't want to. I don't want to uh, get my butt whooped by my kid. You know that day's coming, right, champ? You know it, it is. I know. <laughs> I, I got a lot of tricks. I got a lot, a lot of tricks in my bag still. Yeah, I'm sure you're worried about it. Like I can't. Yeah, I can't show him everything. That that day's gonna come where you guys get into that fight, and it's gonna get real. It's gonna get real, and then uh, he's gonna make you sit on the side of the table, and he's gonna take the head seat for dinner. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it'll it'll be a. Uh... It'll be a, it'll be, I'll be, I'll be okay with that though. You know, it's kind of like a passing of the guard kind of a thing where yeah. uh, you just, you just, you're okay with that when it's your son and, and uh, you know, I want nothing but the best for him. So I, I give him everything I have as far as mental aspect and as far as the, the physical aspect and, and he takes it all and he soaks it in. So he's been a great student so far and, and I am, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm confident that someday he'll be able to be successful as a mixed martial artist. Can I ask you this? Because, uh, you know, if I, if I think for 10 years from now, 15 years from now, and you have, uh, Joe Rogan going, all right, in the corner of Tegan is his father, the legendary hall of famer. Uh, is that the main goal or are you just taking it, you know, year by year right now? 
Well, take it year by year, obviously. You know, you look at the big picture and where you want to be in 10 years from now. But, you know, there's a lot of small things that, that take place before those big goals are able to, to transpire. So right now the, the goal is to make the high school team next year, get on a podium Ooh, yeah. for the state tournament, maybe win a state title or two in high school, win some national tournaments as a high schooler, start training more mixed martial arts. And then, um, you know, after you graduate high school, you kind of assess where you want to go from there because, you know, things change constantly. Um, hopefully we can stay healthy and, and keep the mindset right in the, in the process. So what, what is it like in high school for, for wrestling uh, at, at such a low weight? I, I know when I was in high school, they were so strict about, you know, being on weight and this and that. What do you do for, uh, for diet and uh, eating right and healthy? What do you well, do for you that? know, he, he has to cut weight right now, so he doesn't weigh 97 pounds. It came down from about 102. So he had to lose some weight, and he had to get down to 97 pounds to make that weight class. And, you know, that's typical as a wrestler. You, you don't wrestle your weight. Nobody does. Everybody's coming down the weight class. And he wasn't even the biggest guy in the weight class either, even though he was cutting weight. There was guys that were cutting more weight. So, you know, as a high schooler, the goal is to, uh, you know, the lowest weight class is 106. I guess as of right now, our goal is to put on maybe 10 or 15 pounds over the summer. And uh, then we can assess where we want to be at that point in time with our with our varsity team. So we have a really good team right now with our high school here. We have a lot of really stud wrestlers. So I, I think there's good things to come with the team and, and we'll collectively come together and decide where uh, the best spot for all the wrestlers are going to be come next year. That's got to be really interesting for you to see young kids uh, w with such healthy bodies gain a little weight. Uh, do you see the kind of differences with weight gain in kids like you would with with adults like what changes do you see or are there really none at that age well the changes are significantly different because you're talking about you know a 14 year old boy yeah who's going to be a 15 year old boy and you know their bodies are growing right now Our, as an adult my body's not growing upwards you know it has the ability to grow outwards in the wrong way but, <laughs> you, know, you know what i'm saying yeah Obviously, i feel you i'm on that page <laughs> you know, these kids they grow so fast uh you know you just just let them eat you know i i try to try to keep them on somewhat of a, a decent diet. You know, I, I, I give them vitamins and protein drinks and protein bars and stuff like that so I can help them grow. Ooh, Champ, uh, let me pause you right there. We, we do have young listeners out there and even uh, kids in high school. What are those, uh, what, what, what do you guys uh, use for proteins and stuff like that, vitamins? I'm sure there's a lot of listeners interested in that. Well, I like to... I like, I like to do a lot of uh, multivitamins, and we do a lot of B vitamins because I've always been a big fan of B as far as the brain development goes and, mm. and, and things of that nature. A lot of C, a lot of uh, antioxidants and things of that nature. Try to get a lot of good, healthy protein, whether it be protein drinks or, you know, fish and steak and meat and things of that nature. So I don't have any sponsors right now, so I don't really want to start firing off a bunch of different names. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, you know, I just, like I said, I just try to give them as much as they want to and, and uh, just let them do their thing. They're, they're young, so that, that's part of being a kid is just, just uh, being free and having fun well, with the, whatever that you decide to do. The, the big discussion uh, going around the past couple of years, and I'm sure you're very familiar with this and, and probably really concerned as a parent is, you know, CTE, especially at a young age. You know, football being a big deal, uh, fighting, wrestling, all that being a big deal. Um, th does that concern you? And do you wish you knew 
more about that kind of stuff when you were younger at, at his age? And what are you doing to prevent anything like that from happening to your son? Well, you know, CTE wasn't a term that I was familiar with when I was a kid. But if it was a term I was familiar with a kid, it wouldn't have stopped me from doing anything I did, I did anyway. You know, because I, I've always had a love for combat sports, and CTE wasn't going to scare me away from doing that, and it still doesn't. Um, as far as my boy goes, uh, the reason why he trains with me is boxing and kickboxing and stuff like that is because I don't hit him. Uh, if I brought him into a boxing gym and had him train with a bunch of guys who box, they're going to clobber him, and they're going to hit him as hard as they can. And, and I'm sure you saw it. a lot of that uh, back well, in the day. For, his brain is too young to, to be get, taking damage like that, so... I don't hit him when we spar. He, he can see the punches coming. He feels them real, real light taps. He hits me, of course. He thinks it's pretty cool to give his dad a black eye, but then again, who wouldn't? So, um, you know, I've been real careful with him. And, you know, the last thing I want to do is have him get hurt right now and, and uh, stop his development as an athlete and as a student in school. Now, let me ask you this. Going into high school, it's a, it's a big deal. Uh, I think you waited until maybe after high school, until you started uh, expanding uh, away from wrestling. Are you guys going to be working on boxing in high school? or What's, what's the high school plan? What's the four-year plan moving forward with uh, you and Tegan? I think we just keep doing what we're doing. It seems to be working right now. You know, he, he's all in for wrestling. And like I said, he wrestles nine months out of the year. And most kids wrestle anywhere from three to four months out of the year. So that puts him a step ahead right there. And boxing, jiu-jitsu. Well, yeah, boxing, oh, yeah, jiu-jitsu that's right. in the off-season is what we do. So even when we train at home, even during the wrestling season right now, we'll go downstairs in the basement and we'll wrestle. And I put a lot of jiu-jitsu element into, into my wrestling is because and the reason why I do that is because I want him to learn how to do the funky stuff. No no wrestler knows how to right. do what jiu-jitsu. No wrestlers really do the kind of wrestling that I do because I use my feet a lot and I use a lot of leverage and, and sweeps and things like that. Even in my wrestling, I use that stuff. So, you know, and he's, he's starting to use that in his wrestling too, which makes it even more unique for him uh, just to add the extra element of funk. Now, what has changed over the years between when you were in high school to your son going in high school? What's uh, you know, some of the popular things when you were young compared to the popular things that they're doing now? What's uh, been the biggest change that you've noticed? You're talking as far as sports go or just in general? Just in general of training. Uh, well, there's a lot more circuit training involved now. Uh, when I was coming up, when I was young, his age, nobody knew what circuit training was. So that's a, that's a big element that they're putting into youth sports now is the circuit training. You know, the tires and the ropes and the sledgehammers and things of that nature. Um, that's a good element to add because you're not forcing kids to lift weights. When, yeah. I was in, when I was a freshman in high school, we were lifting weights even though it wasn't healthy for our bodies, whereas now... That's not necessary anymore. You can get a really good workout without touching any kind of heavy weights now, nowadays. How, it's how just many, the evolution of sports, you know. You had over 400 matches uh, by the time you were out of high school. Uh, how many does Tegan have right now? How many matches uh, are we looking at yeah, so far? I mean, I if, I, if I had to put a number on it. I'd say he's been wrestling since kindergarten, and he's in his eighth grade right now. So he's wrestling for nine years, and let's just say you get 50 matches a year. Um, I'd say he's probably got about 400 right now. Oh wow! I'd have to, I'd have to imagine. 
So this is a really serious question, and I, I know Tegan's a little older now, but doing all this, uh, you know, what, what do you do when your son comes home from high school and is dealing with, you know, the seniors picking on the freshmen? What, what do you do? How, how, how do you uh, deal with that? Well, I, uh, he's more than capable of defending himself, but I don't want him to get in any kind of situation where he's going to get in trouble in school. So the rule is, is that you don't pick fights with people and your first instinct is to walk away. Yeah. Uh, if you're backed up against a corner, you have, you have my permission to fight your way out. That's, that's, that's how the law, that's how the law states it. So, uh, hopefully we don't have any issues and, and, uh, you know, we're, we, I know a lot of people in the community and stuff like that. And I don't think we'll have any issues. Uh, but I guess you never know. Hopefully it doesn't come to that. Cause it's, it's crazy. Kids nowadays, kids always are, are crazy. So, uh, you know, I always find that really interesting. Um, how, how, how parents uh, fighting deal with that, with a history of you know UFC, Bellator, and all, and all that, because I'm sure they could be the target sometimes. So um, it's it's really interesting to ask that, and I think that's the best way to go about it. Uh, as we get towards the end of this, I'm really interested to feel out if you guys go to any events. Do you guys sit and watch UFC events together, or are you guys not really into that? I haven't watched a UFC event. I'll bet you in about seven or eight years. What? Are you really? Wow. Well, it's, it's like, for me, it's like pouring salt in the wound, right? You know, I, you get I anxiety a little bit watching. Well, I, I didn't retire because I wanted to. I retired because I had to. You know, I had I had torn hips and uh, bulged disc in my back and torn knees, and you know, my whole body was falling apart. So I had no, no, um, no choice but to retire. So. It's kind of like pouring salt in the wound. And yeah, I do. I do get anxiety, and all the old fight feelings come back when I do watch those events. So it's not really fun for me to sit on the couch and yeah, uh, and watch that. But you know, my my sons, you know, they they watch uh, little videos and highlight videos and stuff like that from time to time. Uh, but you know, they don't really watch a whole lot of it either. But but I have brought them to a fight show before, and they thought it was pretty cool. Right here in Minnesota, it was being a. Uh, Told by Brock Lesnar, or Brock, not Brock Larson, sorry. Well, yeah, isn't Brock Lesnar actually from Minnesota, right? Was well, that Brock a... Lesnar? He's I don't think he's from Minnesota. I think he's from one of the Dakotas, but he moved to Minnesota uh, to wrestle. Yes, to that's right. That's right. So now he still lives in Minnesota. Um, I, I got to ask you this since you brought it up. You know, obviously with your career and everything, you just brought up retiring. What was the uh, motivation to call Hoist out? Was what was that about? Uh, what was that um, about five, yeah. four years ago? Yeah, it was just uh, something I've always wanted to do. I've always wanted to fight Hoist Gracie, and when Hoist Gracie came to the UFC and fought Matt Hughes, I was begging for that fight because yeah. I I was the lightweight champion at that time, and I think Matt was the welterweight champion. So I was begging for that fight. I wanted that fight so bad, but. You know, the reason why they wouldn't give that to me is because Matt was bigger and, you know, they, they want to prove that Gracie Jiu-Jitsu, you know, beats all. Uh, the size doesn't matter. So um, that, you know, Matt got that fight, obviously. And he was a bigger name than I was at that time, too. But, uh, you know, it's just something. And he was one of my uh, reasons why I started fighting mixed martial arts. He's he a wonderful guy. People. Him and his family. Uh, very, great, very great nice people. people. Yes. Great people, no doubt. So when I when I called him out, it wasn't anything uh, malicious. It was just something that I always wanted to do. An interest. Yeah. Like a bucket list kind of a thing, I bet. Right? Right. 
So do you talk to Matt, like, uh, you know, with his story in the past couple of years? Were you, did you reach out to him and his family during that time? or? No, I haven't talked to Matt for a really long time. I think the last time I saw Matt was at the UFC Expo, probably maybe 2011. So it's been about nine years since I've talked to Matt. What was um, that like? Uh, it was good, you know. We've always got, we've always been very cordial with each other. So uh, we've always had a lot in common, and we've trained together. He came to Minnesota to train with me at one point in time when he was getting ready to fight Matt Serra. We fought each other for a world title. We were both managed by the same guy. We both had a lot of the same contacts. So there was a lot of stuff there that we had in common, and we've always got along with each other. So there was no animosity or anything at any point in time, and. Uh, you know, since his train accident, I guess I, I, I don't really know how he's doing since that. I've, I've read some stuff on the Internet, but I guess you really know, really know. You never really know what's true and what's not. Now, Champ, I got two more questions for you, but I also got another one for your son. Matt, what, what is it like, um, you know, at that age right now, going into high school? Are you excited for uh, that, that big jump up? Are you trying to uh, stay away from girls? Like, what, what, what's your actual life like outside of wrestling and outside of all that? What kind of a person are you uh, if you take wrestling you, out? You asking that for me or for him? For, for him, for T. Oh, okay. <laughs> Go ahead, oh, me. What's, what's your life like? Like, what, what kind of music are you into? Uh, what, what are some of your other hobbies that you're oh. into? Um, I don't know. It's just a whole new world. Um, making new friends, wrestling, get to wrestle some more. Do you watch WWE at all? Since you guys don't watch UFC, do you watch WWE or? No, no. You're not, in, you're not into any of that? No. I, I'm, I'm pretty excited for high school. So honestly, what are your friends like? Do you, do you just hang out with like all the athletes or? I, yeah, I know with a lot of my friends. Well, I hang out with, I hang out a lot of, a lot of the wrestlers. I hang out with uh, Tyler the Boys, Dan Carlson, Logan Granroth. So, are you well, looking at any I of the college? Do you watch like college wrestling? Yes, uh, yes, I watch college wrestling a lot. Do you have interest in in doing that after high school? Like, uh, yeah, I do. But do you think I could wrestle college? I think you, yeah, you you keep focused. You can do whatever you want. No, like. Just by the looks of you, like I'm gonna pop up the the photos that uh, Alex sent me right now. You're gonna beef up, man. I'm telling you, when I was a freshman, go. By the time I was a junior, I like doubled in size. Uh, <laughs> Champ, how big were you when uh, you were a freshman compared to when you graduate? Me? Yeah. How big did you blow uh, up? When I was in ninth grade, I weighed 98 pounds, so I was Tegan's size as a ninth grader. So he's one year ahead of me as far as size and development goes, and. When I was a senior in high school, I wrestled 125. I weighed about 130. So I wasn't uh, I wasn't the biggest fellow in the world, and uh, you know I, I guess I'm still not. <laughs> you want to keep him at a, like a lower weight class compared to a higher one, and can, can you? Kind I of want him to grow. I just want him to grow, and I don't care what weight class we wrestle. So as long as he just keeps growing and. You can wrestle whatever weight class he wants to. So if he ends up wrestling 160 pounds as a senior, that's perfectly fine. What as long is, as he doesn't weigh 140, wrestling 160. What does Mama Heather Shirk think about all this? Does she does she enjoy it, or does she not want her son to uh, fall under the pressure, or does, is is she really proud 
uh, of her son. What, what's well, Mama feeling? She enjoys she enjoys the wrestling aspect of it. You know, She's it's proud. She's it's really a, proud. very very proud, of course. But she enjoys the wrestling aspect of it, and it's fun. It's a family thing. Uh, we all really enjoy watching both of our boys compete. As far as mixed martial arts goes, she's not sold on the idea. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see. We got she doesn't want to go through it again. So That's what I think. Yeah. Yep. I'm sure that was very stressful for her. Uh, Champ, what, what was the conversation like at home when, when you did re- uh, decide to retire? Uh, you know, How did life change for you I think, after that? I think there was a big sigh of relief as far as the family went. Uh, for me, on the other hand, there was a... There was definitely a transitional phase that took place, you know, going from being a fighter. And, and I, I always say back to civilian life is what I was kind of what I refer to it as, because, you know, when I was competing and uh, as, as a UFC world champion, I wasn't yeah. living the life of a normal civilian. You know, I was traveling. I was on airplanes. I had, you know, I had I could do pretty much uh, th- I could do a lot of stuff that most people couldn't do. And. You know, when you retire, all that goes away. The phone stops ringing and nobody really cares anymore. So yeah, there was probably about a two-year process uh, where it kind of took me to, to revert back to, as I said before, quote-unquote civilian life. So uh, I do I do feel uh, it, it's, it's really hard to explain, I guess, because as a fighter, you know, you're kind of always on edge and you always, you always have fighting on your mind and you always have training on your mind and you're always in pain and, yeah. You know, now all that's gone. So now the only thing on my mind is just uh, helping my kids out with wrestling and and my job, of course. I flip houses. So. Yes, I was. I was in a different lifestyle. I was gonna bring that up, but you know, obviously, you know, you look at BJ and how he has, uh, you know, a difficult time being out of the fight scene and stuff like that. How long did it take you to adjust? Did it take a while, or it was a couple of years, I'd have to say. You know, for sure, it was a hard couple of years and maybe even longer than that to really start to be able to adjust back to normal lifestyle. So and I see that a lot, you know, and I think, you know, I don't I don't know. I can't really say a whole lot about BJ, but I do see that a lot with athletes when they retire. Um, they just have a hard time readjusting to, to normal life. But, you know, for me, I just I, I had a game plan, like an exit strategy to get out of the fight game. So I didn't retire and then just shrug my shoulders. Yeah. I had a game plan in place before I retired. And, and you I, waited I, a couple of years before making that decision. Right. Yeah. And I did that. Well, that's the reason why, because, you know, I wanted to make sure the game plan was, was going to work before I actually announced my retirement. So my game, my game plan out of the fight industry was a company called training mask that I started with a guy named Casey Danford. So that was the game plan out of the fight industry. And then, you know, that led into real estate. So, um, you know, just like when I was competing, always setting goals and, always trying to figure out a strategy as far as where I want to be in life. My and last thing, I really try to instill that on my kids a lot too, not only with sports, but with school and, and uh, moving forward and in, into real life. You know, you have to have a game plan. You have to have a strategy. And I always tell them that you can accomplish anything you put your mind to. And, and that's what your son said right at the beginning of this interview. Like literally you, you like uh, Muhammad Ali said, I had to believe I was a champion before I could actually become a champion. And, uh, I definitely believe in that kind of a mindset. Champ, I got two more questions for you before I let you guys go. Uh, number one is, what do you think, what goes through your mind when you see, you know, Tito Ortiz and Chuck Liddell going in there for, uh, you know, their, their third fight? Does that kind of uh, panic you to, to see Chuck go in there and do that again? Like, can you relate to that? What, what were you thinking in times like that? 
Uh, well, I've got, I've got nothing but the highest amount of respect for Chuck. Oh, you know, we all he, do, yes. He's done some amazing things in this sport. But, you know, I, I kind of go back to the whole, you know, you have to have a game plan out of the fight industry. Yeah. And if you don't have a game plan out of the fight industry, the fight industry will suck you back in. So I think I, I, I think that might be what happened with Chuck. You know, I mean, what, what, is, what is he doing right now outside of the industry? You know, he was working for the UFC for a while, and they had to cut him loose because they sold the company. And I think the fight game just pulled him back in because he didn't really have uh, anything else to do to keep him busy, I guess. And, and I could completely be wrong. But, you know, um, it, I mean, it, it was sad to see because I know how good Chuck was in his prime. You, you, you could hit him in the head with a baseball bat and not put him down. You know, now that's a different story. But, you know, he is pushing 50, and he's had – you know, 45, 50 fights under his belt. So it's a sad thing to see, of course. Um, but what do you do? I mean, he, he, he he's, a, he's a grown man, so you do what you want to do, right? I was talking to Brad Kohler about this. He was like, you know what? They should open up a, a geriatrics league where you give us a two-minute break in between rounds and uh, we get to drink a coffee in between rounds, like just joking yeah. around and stuff like that. Because that thirst probably never goes away for you guys. You you probably, you know, it's still in the back of your mind somewhere. It always is. You know, speaking for myself, I didn't compete because it was cool. Because when I first started fighting, it wasn't cool. Nobody even knew what it was. I didn't compete because I was forced to. I competed because I loved it. And if you love something that much and you put that much time and effort into it, that love never goes away. Yeah. Even though your body says no, your brain still says yes. And every now and then my brain still says, hey, you know what? Let's go one more time. But then I, then I go get one good workout at the gym and my brain says, ah, never mind. Let's forget about it. <laughs> I, I feel that struggle with a lot of fighters uh, going through the same thing. And it's, it's so interesting to hear. My, my last question here. What's your number one memory? What's your favorite memory? If we're all at your funeral right now and there could be a, a memory that plays from your fight career, what's the highlight? Well, winning the world title, of course. You know, that's the pinnacle of, of any sport that you compete in. Everybody wants to, wants to win a world title at whatever sport they're playing. And, and for me, winning the UFC belt, I'll never forget what it felt like when Dana White wrapped that belt around my waist, you know. I'd, I had many opportunities over the course of my career to fight for other world titles in other organizations, and I always turned them down. I always said no. And people said, why? Why do you not want to fight for my world title? And I said, the first world title I want to win is the UFC world title, and I kept that true. So the first world title I ever won in the history of my career was the UFC world title because I wanted that belt. Well, I wanted the, I wanted the first belt to be wrapped around my waist to say UFC on it. So that was the... That was the goal I had, and, and uh, that was an amazing feeling when he wrapped that around my waist. The muscle shark, the champ, the legend, and now he's got the sun coming up, following his footsteps. Guys, thank you so much. So, such an interesting interview here, and I'm really interested to see how this uh, unravels, how uh, your, your son's uh, career will blossom. Uh, what about your other son, Tegan? Uh, Tegan and Kyler. Yeah, you got two sons. What does Kyler do? Does he not follow uh, the path of, of wrestling, or what, what does he do? Yeah, he does. You know, he's never taken it as serious as Tegan has. He's always kind of been more lackadaisical as far as wrestling goes. Um, so 
he's uh he, he's been a little more on the shyer side but you know he's really come out of his shell in this last year and he had a really good successful wrestling season this this year on on the jv for the high school program and and now he's doing the off-season stuff and he's, he's ripped too he's got your jeans man both, both your yeah. sons ripped so he's training at the Pinnacle School now as well. All summer long, he'll be training there. And then next year, the goal is to make varsity. So uh, hopefully we'll have good. Hopefully we we'll have two shirt boys on the St. Francis varsity wrestling team next year. Oh, wow. that that That's so interesting to see and hear. Guys, I want to thank you so much. Before I let you go, I'd like to hand the microphone over to you. If you have any shout-outs, anything at all that you want to say, the floor is now all yours. Well, I'd like to thank Sentinel Sports, first of all, for setting up this interview. Um, secondly, Training Mask, Casey Danford. He's, he's done a lot of really good stuff for me. And um, Tegan, you got anything, buddy? Well, Tegan, when's your next match? Uh, w what's going on with your with your wrestling? Do you have another match coming up or tournament? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm still going um, um, uh, to do um, Fiston Greco. I've been looking forward for Fiston Greco this whole year. So in, in Minnesota, they have what's called the Triple Crown, right? They have three different styles of wrestling. They have folk style, freestyle, and Greco. The seasons run back to back to back. So he yes. just he just won the folk style state title. Now, if he, if he goes out, if he wins the freestyle and Greco state titles in June, then he'll be what's called a triple crown. So that's something that he's been talking about uh, wanting all season long. So yep. that's his goal right now is to win that triple crown. Tegan, can you explain to our listeners out there what's the difference between those three? Okay, so in Greco, you cannot touch the legs at all. You cannot hook a leg. You can't have any anything to do with legs. No, no legs, only upper body. And freestyle, you, tilts and turns. Whenever you hit a shoulder on a mat, it's two. Instantly two. It doesn't matter how long or how fast it is, it's instantly two. And folk style, it's it's everything. Greco, it, it's a combined mixture of freestyle and Greco. Um, um, it, there has to be a certain amount of time to get back points. Say if I go on my back for two seconds, that's too near fall. But for freestyle, if I go on my back for a, a split second, that's instantly two. So basically, the scoring's different and the moves are different. So it just keep it just keeps people on the mat and gives them something different to work and forces them kind of out of their element. Like with Greco, for instance, you can't touch legs at all. It's all upper body. Oh, so it forces God. it forces kids out of their element and it forces them to to use upper body throws, whereas most kids wouldn't do that. Yeah. So not a lot of kids wrestle freestyle and Greco. It's probably maybe half the amount of kids that do freestyle and Greco that do folk style. Oh wow. Yeah, it's got to be confusing for a lot of people. They probably get them mixed up sometimes, like we see, uh, you know, with uh, MMA fighters going over to boxing. You're always like, oh, are they going to go for a single leg? Uh, we, we actually saw that not too long ago. But, um, guys, I want to thank you so much for joining me here on Pure Evil. And Tegan, congratulations on all the success, and uh, congratulations on uh, being the son of a legend, man. That's got to be so cool. Thank you. Guys, have a great day, and I'll talk to you soon. All right, thanks, bud. Yeah. Take care. God bless. Bye.